Off a perk with my home dogs getting crunk and getting hella monkey. Got my shawty tweaking on my banana dick, bro. Twerking her fat buns all on this five inch pack a puncher. Ran out of Perkins, so we decided to roll up an eighth in this godsend of a backwood, soaked in the blood of my enemies and shit. I like to listen to Sick and Born after I have a head of my thought of my thought of my thought. I like to listen to Sick and Born after I have a head of my thought of my thought of my thought. I like to listen to Sick and Born after I have a head of my bomb bomb. If I need to write a song, but it didn't take me very long. Well, now's the end. Uh, yeah, oh, Adam and Eve, Eve.com, yeah. I like to listen to Sick and Born after I have a head of my bone, of my bone, of my bone. I like to listen to Sick and Born after I have a head of my bone, of my bone. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, E. Simon. Hi, I'm Kate Rambo. Hiya. Kate Rambo, what's cracking? Yeah. Uh, I'm tired, I'm stressed, and it won't stop raining. You got a lot of work to do. You're moving in like, I don't know, we're planning to move next month. You got so much stuff to do. Hopefully. Hopefully, if it all works yeah. out. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of planning, a lot of organization and coordinating that goes into it. So I can understand why it's stressful. Yeah, I just want to like take to my bed. Like if I was my, I want to like Marlena Dietrich it. And I want to take to my bed and I just want like an assistant, preferably like a kind of hunky assistant that's gay to are you come just in gonna, and just like sort it all. Are you just going to do some bed rotting and then just let your assistant deal with it all? I think it's hilarious that the kids are coming out calling it. I'm, I am the queen of bed rotting. I'm telling you, I can sleep for 22 hours. Don't you think that I did not invent the bed rot? I just love the term bed rotting as if it's a, like a negative thing. It's like, fuck you. I love being in bed, watching Netflix all day, getting high. What is funny, though, I was thinking about bed rotting. So in my early 20s, fuck yeah, I would eat in, eat in bed. I would like smoke in bed. I would like drink cups of coffee in bed. All of that disgusts me now. There's just like the thought of eating in bed, I think is fucking foul. Get a life, get out your pit sit on a chair and eat and then like don't take food in the bedroom it really disgusts me I've, like just I've, even the idea i used to smoke in bed is really rank smoking in bed is one thing but i don't even do that but eating in bed is vile. Oh, I did. i've never liked that and i've had several exes that uh were um were fond of <laughs> doing of eating in bed and no you the worst part about it is they would eat in bed and just leave the plate like under the pillow because they go no who does that I don't know why they would do that. I had two exes that would do that, and it, it was fucking disgusting. And because That's they were gross. high, they would forget that the plate was under the pillow. So then you get like yeah. a pizza crust, like in your hair, like while you're sleeping. It's the worst, and it's even worse when it's fucking hot outside. Like I don't. What's the weather like there? Is it like really? Is it like summer heat? Were you guys in the uh, heat wave? This is actually my favorite favorite part of summer is just when it fucking rains but it's like a really nice warm rain it's a summer rain and i love it it's just been raining non-stop there's been thunderstorms i'm gonna miss it it's it's becoming like real summer in la although it's i don't know if it's like a global warming thing or whatever climate change kind of thing but it's like much hotter than it typically is they said that uh i was reading that it might hit 130 degrees fahrenheit that's 54 0.4 Celsius in Death Valley. That's oh, a record. That can't happen in LA. 
No, not in LA, but it's been in like the 90s. It's been very hot here. But like 130 degrees Fahrenheit in Death Valley, which is a record. I don't think it's ever been that hot. And that's kind of like, you know, right near Palm Springs. And tourists are heading there just to experience it because they want to feel what it's like to be in 130 degree heat. Well, I mean, if you want to experience it, just do a Sylvia Plath, turn your oven on up to high and stick your head in for 10 minutes. I mean, you'll like, you'll experience it that way and you don't even have to leave your house. Like, why would you want to experience that? That's why we have air conditioning. So we don't have to experience that. I think you'll they'll just get out their car, film a few TikToks. You know, they'll probably just do that thing where they crack an egg, the egg will fry. Or, you know, they'll chuck some water up, it'll evaporate, and then they'll get back in their car and just begin the long trek back. Possibly. Yeah, they probably do just want to film I've called a couple it. That's what's going to happen. But it's, it's been really hot here. I mean, I have AC, so it's not that big of a deal, but it's been like the 90s. And then, uh, you know, where I work over in the valley, it's even worse. Like, it's like upper 90s, almost like 100 degrees on Friday. So my heart goes out to the strikers who are uh, now picketing outside all day in that heat. Like, I, would, I mean, I you guess you kind of have to do that. But would you be like, what the fuck, dude? It's like 98 degrees outside. I think, you know, I'm, you know I'm, down, with the, I'm down with the fight here, with the strike, but I think I'm going to just, uh, you know, watch it online. As I say, you know how L.A. just doesn't give a shit about the homeless problem, the obscene homeless problem that L.A. has? I would just pitch up a couple of, like, canopies. Do it under some canopies. What are the police going to do? Come and chase you on? I doubt it. They don't chase on the homeless well, people. What they're doing is they're, they kind of do a march. They march all around the studio. So I, I, work for, I work in the entertainment industry, so I work for one of the studios. And so in Burbank, you see, like, Warner Brothers and Disney and... Netflix and all of them, Amazon, they're all like marching with their signs around the perimeter of the studio, chanting. In and... the shadows. Oh, did they chase, chase the shadow of the sun? Because that's what I would do. No, they just walk in the sun. And they all have like, you know, like uh, umbrellas, you know, parasols and things like that. And they do have like tents set up where, or canopies set up where they have like food and everything. But, oh, um, see, but, yeah. but it's been like since May, early May, it's just been the riders. So there's been, you know, the rider strikes been going on for a couple months now. But uh, as of this Friday, the uh, SAG-AFTRA, which is the, uh, you know, the Actors Guild, joined the riders. So now there's like three times as many people out there marching with their, uh, with their signs. Um, what's interesting about this is the, uh, the labor action. So the riders went on strike in like 2008, 2009. I, was, I wasn't living in L.A. then, but I do recall that happening. But the first time, like, this is the first time actors have gone on strike against the film and television studios since, like, 1980. And, uh, that was a really long strike in the 80s, too. Yeah, it's been a while. And the industry hasn't seen a joint strike by both the uh, actors and the writers since 1960, when Ronald Reagan was Reagan. leading the Screen Actors yeah. Guild. Yeah, and the, that and was the, when Rodney Reagan, before he turned to the dark side as well, and he was getting those good well, blowjobs off Nancy. Well, the reason they went on strike back then was because of a disruptive, uh, disruptive technology, television, that was at the heart of the dispute, and you know, and then they, you know, that took a few weeks or a couple months, I think, to to resolve. Well, I think but it was a hundred and eighty days. But the reason they went in nineteen eighty, they went on strike in the eighties because of VHS technology. And so now what it's oh, about is streaming. It's this terrifying streaming. technology. Well, I think what happens... I actually think it's deeper than streaming. I think it's 
more to do that they should be shitting themselves about AI. And I think it's time for human beings to have an uprising about the AI. Because when AI was invented and we thought of robots, robots were supposed to take our shit menial jobs. They're not supposed to take the fun creative jobs like being extras. They're not supposed to be writing movie scripts. Don't bring the AI into doing that studios. Well, that is is a part of it. So the disruptive technology now is streaming and concerns about artificial intelligence. Because they'll take our jobs. And they I are, they're taking they're the fun jobs. I want them to take the shitty jobs. Like, but, wash my car, bitch. Like, I don't want to, like, I want to write. You can go and do the horrible shit. AI is taking the shitty jobs. Like, there's uh, fast food places that are just artificial intelligence now. Like, they don't even have human workers. I agree workers. with that. And, Good. Because well, when I'm ordering jobs. my... When I'm ordering my Mac plan, I sometimes don't want to see anyone or interact with anyone or anything. Like when I go to a supermarket, I I pick supermarkets based on if they have self-checkouts or not. Like I don't want to speak to anyone. Well, you know ever. what pisses me off about the self-checkouts and the reason I oh, never use them? See, no, you're going to such a dad thing here. No, they won't let you check out with booze. I'm always buying booze every, every right. time I'm at the store. So then I got to wait and I got to wait for the person to come over and use their little badge or whatever. So I'm like, fuck you. I'd rather just go check out with somebody and they can just do all the work. Pisses me off. Yeah. Why, why? I'm old enough to buy booze. Why can't I buy booze? Like, why do I have to have this person approve it? it just I think that'll change, especially in Britain, because they have the ones that have got the video cameras watching you, and eventually it'll probably just be like it'll scan your face, and there'll be a, a database. And scan it'll my old Jewish face. I don't care. You know, it's like <laughs> God pisses me off. So yeah, so back Show in the eighties, the number on your arm that <laughs> tells them how old you are. I covered that up. Back in the eighties, <laughs> it was about you know um, it was cable TV and VHS that was the disruptive technology. Forty three years later. It's now streaming platforms and concerns over artificial intelligence. So the, the uh, SAG-AFTRA uh, members were voicing concerns about this. And uh, I think it was Fran Drescher who said, you should be ashamed Love of her. yourself because she's the president of SAG now. And she's the one who announced the strike on Thursday because they couldn't Good. negotiate. And uh, as of uh, midnight on Thursday night, um, the, uh, the, the SAG, SAG joined WAG the Writers Guild, and now they're all striking. Um, but one of the things, I read something about this. So Sonia Roden, she's a background actor on a lot of shows like Westworld and Castle and things like that. And she said a lot of people don't realize that the people who make millions off of acting is a very small percentage. You know, most of us live paycheck to paycheck. So we need to be paid fairly. Because sometimes we're working 16-hour days and making just above minimum wage. And I think that's kind of what it is for a lot of these background actors. You know, people that... Uh, it's always and, been that way for extras. Yeah, well, I mean, these are people that might have one or two lines. But the studio execs, they don't even want to negotiate about streaming. Like, that's a, that's a major issue. And if you think about it, in 2008 when the writers striked, the only real streaming platform back then was Netflix. I don't even think they had a... And now it's like, you know, you got Hulu and Amazon, Disney Plus and all the other ones, Max and all that. So it is, I think, about time that they look into this contract. It's a disruptive technology. You know, they're not making anything off of residuals from streaming. And these shows are being streamed 24-7. It's not like it's, you know, it's a rerun on TV, you know, a show that's in syndication that will be running, you know, uh, half an hour, you know, in prime time. But these are like, 
shows that can be streamed anytime. So you could watch this actor, you could watch this, 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 you know, this show that some writer made, you could watch it anytime at your convenience. So how come those people aren't getting paid fairly, residual-wise? So Bob Iger, he, was, uh, he said the other day, this is yesterday, he called the actor and the writer's demands unrealistic and ill-timed. Can I just point out that Bob said this from a private island that he was there with Mark Zuckerberg and a couple of other like of those types of cooks. And they all flew on private jets to this private island. So I think that's unrealistic, Bob, that you have a private fucking jet is unrealistic. Well, I'm sure they were drinking like a fine cognac and just kind of being like, oh, we'll we'll weather this out. You know, they're going to give up soon. But he said, we've talked about disruptive forces on, the business, on this business and all the challenges we've been facing since the recovery from COVID, which is ongoing. Once again, still blaming COVID. Not completely back. Oh, I'm sick of him. He said, this is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption. Meanwhile, outside, on, uh, outside the Disney lot, a striking SAG member was, was uh, holding a sign that depicted Bob Iger as Marie Antoinette. And it said... How about sharing some of that cake, Bob? Which is hilarious. As I say, this is the same for supermarkets and places like that who are like, oh my God, COVID was so bad for us. Do you know how much like money? Like we'll just use like, I know that Sainsbury's for instance, which is like a British supermarket chain. They made more in 2020. It was like, I think they said the profits were like more than 15 Christmases. But that makes because sense. Because people though. were obviously panic buying. They were going in. Yeah, yeah, but people are stuck at home in 2020. What are they going to do? They're going to sign up to streaming services that they might necessarily have never done before, such as like Disney or whatever or Hulu, and to keep the kids quiet, to keep themselves entertained. You're not telling me that that wasn't a fucking bumper year as fuck for them. And then obviously they're laying off staff left, right, and center. So they have a skeleton crew. My God. Their profits were probably into the fucking billions. And how much is he giving himself as a tasty little bonus on the side, Bob? Well, that's the thing. You know, even though it's been hard times right now and they're recovering from COVID, these executives are still getting like $100,000 bonuses, multi-million dollar bonuses for people at like Bob Iger's level. So it's hard to kind of really have sympathy for the studios here. And so I read on Deadline um, uh, some, some feedback from one of the uh, studio execs who said, we're going to break the WGA. They were talking about the Writers Guild. He oh, said yeah, yeah. Uh, they believe that by October, most of these writers will be running out of money because they've had five months on the picket lines not working. They said the end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their homes. He said it's a cold as ice approach. However, it's a cruel but necessary evil. He said they'll come back, they'll restart talks because it's going to be a very cold Christmas for them otherwise. Evil. Do you know what though? Like, it is evil, but I kind of appreciate the how just fucking sheer evil it is. And in a way, he's right because a lot of these writers aren't normed fucking mailer and there's 200 million kids coming out of university who all want jobs being writers who are going to come to LA, the city of fucking angels. And they're going to just be able to walk into these jobs because they will be like, oh, you want me to work for this amount of money? That's fine for me. I'm going to start my career now doing well, writing shit they, for shit. It doesn't work like that. They can't because it's Sorry. unionized. What they can do 
is they can't buy foreign contacts. So, so they can buy foreign content from like the UK, for example, like the new Game of Thrones show, whatever that House of the Dragon or whatever, that's not going to be affected because it's, it's all UK actors. And so, oh. yeah, so they can buy foreign content, but if you live here, you have to be part of the guild. So like actors, you know, they can't do any promotion. Actors can't go to Comic-Con even. So next week, Marvel, oh, DC, and all, like, and all those shows, they're not going to have any of the actors. No appearances from any of like, you know, the Avengers or, or you know, DC oh. characters, which is kind of crazy because it's just- So you're I Comic-Con, mean, yeah, especially well, it's the big one next week. That's, that's, it's the biggest thing. So it's going to like, kind of suck for people that are you know all the, the the fanboys out there that won't get to see it but i mean i kind of agree like george clooney who obviously is an actor who makes millions of dollars i don't think he's going to be affected by this but he did bring up something he said this is an inflection point in our industry and it's true actors and writers in large numbers in this city especially have lost their ability to make a living you know, they just aren't making enough money. Like I was reading a writer was saying that she got a residual check. So back in the day, you know, before streaming, you get a residual check, you know, if your thing was in syndication, if your show that you worked on. And that could be like, you know, 250 bucks. But if you've written a bunch of scripts, you know, you might get like five residual checks for 250 to $300. That's sizable. That's 1500 bucks extra that you're just making because it's still in syndication. Well, the residuals that they've been getting from streaming shows on like Disney Plus or Netflix, this woman said she got a check for 35 cents. That's kind of like PRS though, D, like for musicians. You have to look at it in that kind of terms. And I guess that's probably how they're going to be looking at it legally. If your song is played on the radio, you're getting like 40 pence. But if you've got a number one hit that's played on the radio around the world, then the money's rolling in. And then if you're synced, obviously, to a film, you're, that's when the big books start rolling in. So I guess that's how they're going to start having to look at it. No, the, the way they need to look at it is they need to renegotiate because of streaming and how this technology has yeah, disrupted that's what I'm the saying. industry. So they need to look at like how this has affected residuals. So their percentage should be higher because it's like it's different than what it was on cable TV. Same thing happened in 1980 with videotape and cable TV. They had to renegotiate and they went on strike, figured it out, blah, blah, blah. And now that we got this new technology, they got to do the same thing. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, and, it, and Clint even mentioned, he goes, it's, it's about fairness. It's not really we're fighting on behalf of big celebrities here. You know, it's like a lot of people who are fighting to pay their rent and their mortgage. You know, it's, it's, it's working people. So the writer's strike has already halted a production on a lot of films and TV shows. So for me, it's actually, I mean, I'm, I'm totally on the writer's side, but it's been pretty awesome because a lot of the stress from my working, a lot of these productions are now on hiatus. So it's like my workload's gone down quite a bit because we don't, we're not like supporting all these shows anymore, or having to support all these shows and set up all these shows and all these different, you know, different studios because all the actors are on strike. So for me, I'm actually kind of like, oh, let's keep it going a little longer, you know, but, you know, but, but I mean, obviously people are concerned because it's going to affect, you know, uh, uh, the studio's earnings Yeah, wait as until well. it comes back. <laughs> but it's interesting to see what productions are going to be halted. So I was looking into it. So Deadpool 3, totally stopped right now. Good. And I hope it doesn't come back. We don't need Deadpool free. I don't want to see all this fuck Wolverine. You might as well just get Danzig in to play it at this point. Please, stop. I think all of these I'm going to be like, good, stop. 
for all the superhero movies, Deadpool is one of my favorites because I think Ryan Reynolds is a cool character. And like, yeah, the, but Deadpool two's shit. I like Deadpool two. I thought that was fun. Juggernaut was in that one. That was great. So like compared <laughs> to all the other superhero movies, I'd rather watch Deadpool. So Deadpool three was one I wanted to see. Uh, Ghostbusters four. Halted. Oh fuck off. Mufasa. Nobody's asked for that. Fuck off. Mufasa the what? Lion King. Mufasa. Yeah, they're making a movie. Are you joking? Mufasa the Lion King. Yeah. I don't know if it's about. Nobody like, asked for that. <laughs> fuck off. I don't know if it's his background or whatever. These two, I oh am God. very glad that they've halted. In fact, I kind of hope they get canceled. Avatar 3 and 4. Ugh. We don't need that. Yeah, me that. too. I'm glad they're gone. The third Paddington <laughs> Aren't they all movie. AI anyways? I don't know if they're AI. It's a lot of CG, CGI. I don't know if it's... I don't think artificial intelligence is making those movies, though. But it is all CGI. But, I mean, it is very, like, top of the line CGI. It's just... It, that's the one... I saw Avatar 2. Visually, it is stunning. But what a fucking retarded story. And I'm using retarded in like the I'm proper not. sense of the term. It was so bad. Like I was like sitting there like, <laughs> but I mean, visually I was high as fuck. So visually it was just an amazing movie to watch in 3D on like the, you know, the big Dolby Vision screen. But it was, the story is asinine. So I imagine Avatar 3 and 4 are pretty much going to be along the be same the lines. Same. Uh, the third yeah. Paddington movie, Paddington in Peru. I'm glad yeah Stun. who's asking for this tripe who is you know what this is what I mean about the writers though it's like are we really going to miss you when you're coming to the table and you're offering Paddington 4 like well, please no fire the writers, them the writers aren't coming up with the movies that's the execs that are saying hey we want to do this Sadly. the writers are just coming up with the scripts uh, Tim Burton's Beetlejuice sequel that's on Good. hiatus I wanted to see Good. that I don't want to see that stop that madness nobody the- asked for it Film adaptation of the musical Wicked. Another thing that I couldn't care less about. No, I don't want that either. I mean, I don't know. I was thinking about this. So here you got the the writers striking. Now the actors joining them. And then they're at odds with the studio execs. And everyone's just like, you know, there's there's a major conflict. They're clashing. They're not able to negotiate. Maybe what they need to do is take the lead negotiators from SAG and the Writers Guild, mm-hmm. and all the studio execs from like Warner and Sony and Netflix and Disney, and have them all sit in a massive orgone accumulator. Here we go. So maybe, that's, that's what I'm saying. They could be psychologically bonded by a simultaneous communal orgasm, and that would heal the divide. They do need the divide healed, yes. So I'm thinking what they should do is build a big ass orgone accumulator and just shove them all inside. I actually think Fran Dressler would approve of that because she's got a lot of wacky theories. I think she, I think she would. So this she week would. is part two on uh, renegade psychoanalyst Dr. Wilhelm Reich. Uh, he's the one who created the orgone sex boxes, which he believed could help cure cancer and other ailments through the power of orgasms. Uh, we're going to pick up when uh, Dr. Willie moved to America, and uh, he became cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs here in this country. Um, yeah, he became a full-on nutter, which does happen to a lot of people who move to this See, country. I have a bit of a different opinion. I think he already was a nutter, but I don't think he's a full-on nutter. I just think he went and lived the American dream, as maybe all of us immigrants should do. Well, I think uh, it remains to be, I mean, people are going to find out. So it remains to be seen how yeah. nutty this guy was, but aliens are involved, people believe that. 
Um, before we get into uh, part two, uh, let's chat about something else that dramatically heightens your libido and is oh, widely God. considered to be a very effective and affordable marital aid, the sick <laughs> and wrong patron. Most certainly is. <laughs> so people, if you're on the fence, like, should I donate some money or should I sign up for the patron? Should I support sick and wrong? Right now is a very good time because Kate's in the process of moving here. And that's going to, we're going to be incurring a lot of expenses from that. So if you do want to like part with a little cash and help us out, right now is a very good time. And we're not asking for you just to donate. We're asking you just to sign up for uh, the Patreon. It's only five, five bucks a month and you get access to the second show. Uh, this week we get into a story that I didn't even know about that Kate mentioned to me. A horrific traumatic incident that happened to uh, SAG after President Fran Dresser in 1985. I, I didn't even know didn't about know this. this. Yeah, I never I love, heard about it. I would like to point out here that I'm sure it's the same for like a lot of girls of my age, of like my generation. The nanny. I think Fran Fine has a lot to do with my personal styling tastes as it is. Like I want to be her. But like, and Fran Drescher is an icon. She's amazing. I, re- I recall my sister loved that show. I never really watched it, but uh, it wasn't really, wasn't really in my wheelhouse. But... Uh, there was like a home invasion rape that happened to her and one of her friends back in 1985. So we're going to get into that on the second show. As well as uh, I caught up with my sister this week who told me another crazy story about Jer's Uncle Dennis who murdered his ex-wife and tried to kill Jer's aunt before he was arrested. So we're going to get into all that in the second show. It's only five bucks a month. You get access to Sick and Wrong on the Patreon, and you get access to the official Sick and Wrong Discord, which is a community of lovable deviants there. Um, you don't even have to sign up to the Patreon if you don't want to, because now we have second show available on Apple Podcasts. So you can just go on your Apple Podcast app and subscribe that way and support the show. We do appreciate you helping us out. And for a few dollars more, you get access to the Sick and Wrong archives. You get the first 10 years of Sick and Wrong available on SoundCloud, as well as uh, Sick and Wrong Overkill and Serial Killer Star Signs. Uh, this week you did uh, which star sign? It's Cancer's turn this week. So I, I covered a Cancer. And a, the, we've actually done a lot for Cancer. And I think we're talking about one of the future episodes is going to be about a cancer queen. Cancer so, queen. Cancer's so, being blessed. Yes. There you go. It's a lot going on on the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Let me play this quick promo and then uh, let's chat about uh, Dr. Wilhelm Reich and his descent into madness. Hey, sick and wrong listeners. If you're not currently a sick and wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. All right, so you guys listen to Dave Matthews. You yeah, got a yeah, water. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, and She's then... like, come to the boudoir. Right. The boudoir. The boudoir. She is the type of woman who would call it a boudoir. Right. So so you go in there. When did you see, first encounter the smell? Uh, I think it's like when I pulled off her pants. Oh, so you pulled her panties down. Wow, yeah. just when you, and, what, and pants or panties? No, 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 panties or trousers still on, here. Panties still on, strong whiff. Oh, through Whoa. the panties? Yeah. That's intense, that's intense. Right. That's intense. And I noticed And it. so you're like, I gotta go further. And I was that. like, I gotta get my head in there. <laughs> I gotta put my tongue in that. <laughs> I gotta inspect a little closer. <laughs> I gotta find Nemo. <laughs> For only $5 a month. You can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week. 
at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. Don't you ever... So Willie, with his new girlfriend in tow, and their child that he had begged her to abort, but she didn't. He settled into American life, and he was beginning to hunt to harness the power of the orgasm. 29-year-old Ilse became his secretary and lab assistant. Annie refused to let any of her daughters, Annie's his ex-wife, she refused to let any of his daughters stay overnight with the ruddy-faced mad scientist. Because, you know, I remember I said he has psoriasis. And I had a boyfriend who had psoriasis. On his face? When he was, like, super stressed. He had it on, like, his scalp and his hairline. That happens a lot. And, yeah, when he would go through periods of, like, extreme stress, it would, like, really flare up and he would get ruddy-faced. What did it look like, though? Did it look so like, like boils? No, psoriasis is like, it's just more like rash. your skin is red and irritated, yeah. a rash. Yeah, like a rash. but it just never Ooh. goes away. And he would have like permanent rash, permanent psoriasis on his like back and thighs. I uh, didn't care. God, that's horrible. Can you treat that? It's untreatable. Oh, God, that's terrible. You know who else has psoriasis? Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian has psoriasis? Yeah, but she can obviously pay to go to Beverly Hills and get them zapped off her with. <laughs> yeah, I imagine she probably has some of the best plastic surgeons in the world taking care of her psoriasis. Yeah. So his daughter Law later said that she understood why her mother did not allow her to stay with her father. She said, "I think he was a sex abuser. I didn't trust him. I'm sorry. He was very dangerous, difficult man, and I think he was sexually unreliable. And I wouldn't be surprised if he molested my sister, although she would never admit that. I'm sure. I didn't want to spend the night at his place because I thought he would be sexually promiscuous with me. What? What does she I, mean? Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. What does she mean, sexually unreliable? I think I think Daddy's sticking his dicks in dolphins. I think that's what she means. Wow, God, he's a horny old goat. In the year 1940, he built his first orgone accumulator. At first, he started testing on animals because, according to my new best Malcolm, animals need loves too. But he supersized it to a five-foot-tall box, and he set one up on his basement. So I'm going to talk a little about what is an argon accumulator because we've been talking loads about them, but we've never properly described them. Think of it like a one-man sauna. It's a plywood-lined box. It's lined with multiple layers of rock wool and sheet iron. It has a little chair inside. It's got a small window. The organic layers apparently attract the atmospheric energy, which is directed inward by the metal layers, any energy reflected outward by the metal layers is immediately reabsorbed by the organic material back into the inside of the box. The result being that there's a higher concentration of orgone energy inside the box. And the more layers of material you have, the higher the concentration. So how long are you in there for? I mean, you can sit in there as long as you like. So is it, okay, is the chair a toilet seat chair? Oh, because is that what you'd want? Well, you know, I, uh, my brother, and I've talked about this on the show, oh, no. but my brother had this weird roommate that he lived with in the <laughs> yeah. Castro. I remember I was, this guy was so odd. He had all the parrots. I think I've talked about him before. Scott was his name. But I remember I was over, he wasn't around, and I was over there um, hanging out with Jeffrey, and I went, I went to the bathroom, and I walked by Scott's room, which was just really messy and disheveled. But there was this, like, really curious-looking chair that was that was just kind of sitting there that that was in the room. And I look over and I'm like, why would you have this chair? It's like a toilet seat 
It's like you're sitting on a toilet seat, but it's not a toilet. It's like a chair with a toilet seat on it. And my brother's just like, what do you mean? I was like, well, why does he have this chair in his room? And he was just like, no, my brother's just like uh, ass eating, of course. (laughs) 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 I'm like, okay, I guess that does make sense. (laughs) Nowadays, Jeffrey would be like, everyone has one. What are you saying about? It's not weird. We all have them. He said it so like matter of factly. Like he was just like, uh, duh, ass eating. Yeah, it is duh. (laughs) Well, I don't know. <laughs> he, he had made the, he had built the chair himself too. It's like a home improvement project. <laughs> so the purpose of this orgone energy box was to accumulate orgone energy. So this six-sided box is constructed of alternating layers of organic materials which attracted the energy and metallic materials to radiate all the energy towards the center of the box. So the patient would just sit inside the accumulator and just absorb the energy through their skin and lungs. And supposedly it had a healthy effect on blood and body tissue by improving the flow of quote unquote life energy and releasing your quote unquote energy blocks. So Reich believed that this organ accumulator would automate the work of liberation, which would obviate the need for, you know, person to person therapy and he helped. He was hoping that would cure like a d- disease, like cancer in particular. So he was hoping people, instead of going to like a therapist and sitting down with your with your psychologist, you just go sit in the orgone box for like two hours and you come out refreshed and ready to live your life. I kind of understand it, especially for the time. Like, yeah, go and sit in the box, think about your thoughts, take a little book in there, and just have some me time. It's like meditation, but this is different though, because he's just like, you're absorbing the organ. Oh, it's going to cure cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Reich claimed that he could see the orgone and colors. And orgone, uh, if you want to know, it's as blue as the sea or the sky on a summer's day. The box is going to intensify the orgone by up to five times. It's basically a glorified greenhouse slash sauna. As well as amplifying the orgones, it can also cure cancer. He claimed that mice of cancer who went into the box came out with their tumors diminishing or disappearing. Yeah, maybe if you left them in there for like 20 days, will you? Yeah, sure, I believe that. (laughs) So he believed that that orgone was, was a cosmic energy. So he, he coined this term orgone from the words orgasm and organism. And he felt that this cosmic energy radiated throughout the universe and in all life. And that enhanced amounts of orgone, which would be accumulated in his box, would change everything. So his discovery of orgone began with his research of a physical bioenergy basis for Freud's theories of neurosis in humans. So there is, I mean, there is a scientific origin to this research. You know, it's not like he just is this new age guru that just kind of came up with no. orgone energy. There is a scientific basis wanna, to it. I want to jump in here and say I kind of do believe that like um, if you've had like a lot of trauma and you like physically just like don't process your trauma. Yeah, it's going to fuck you up. It's going to probably like present itself later on like stress does. Well, that's what Reich believed that traumatic experiences yeah, I'm saying, block I'm the natural flow of life energy in the body, which led to physical and mental disease. So he concluded that libidinal energy, orgasms that Freud discussed was the primordial energy of life itself. Connected to more than just sexuality, orgone was this cosmic, orgone, this cosmic energy is ubiquitous, it's everywhere. And he measured this energy in motion like over the entire surface of the earth. He even felt 
that orgone energy affected weather formation. So it's all connected. And if you sat in one of his orgone boxes, everything included not only enhanced orgastic potency, but the alleviation of anemia, speedy recovery from burns, and slowing the spread of cancer. But there's still more. With tubes and pipes connected to these orgone boxes, um, Reich and his followers shot enhanced orgone at clouds in New England and Arizona to relieve droughts and make deserts green. We're going to talk a little <laughs> bit more he's about that. He's mad. Because he invented he's a mad with power. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Lex I would say he's mad with power. I just, if he believes in it, he's fucking going to go for this. So this box is a prototype, his first one, and he wasn't licensed to practice medicine in the States, but that didn't stop him, right? It didn't stop him from testing the power of the boxes on people. And he particularly concentrated on those who had cancer and schizophrenia. The father of an eight-year-old girl that was diagnosed with cancer, he actually dobbed him in for his dodgy practices and Willie was fired from his university job, so he lost his university housing. But a very supporting patron gifted him 14 grand so he could buy himself a new home. So if there are any patrons out there that would like to just gift, gift me... Kate Rambo with 14 grand. Don't have to suffer in silence. We have a PayPal. Yeah, you can donate directly through PayPal. Signalroompodcast.com. There you go. Because of this, he's now on the FBI watch list. Although as a Marxist socialist who had preached abortion rights and how great an orgasm was, he probably always was on the list when he came on the boat over. Five days after the attack on Pearl Harbor on December the 12th, 1941, he's arrested and he's taken to Ellis Island where he's held for three weeks. Eventually, they declared that he was not a threat to the United States and he was let free and he's going to publish his next soon to be very famous book, The Function of the Orgasm. If you look at like first editions of this book, loads of people recognize it. It's super famous. One of my friends actually has it blown up and set in resin and it's in hanging in his kitchen. With the really whole cool. book? It's like he's got the book cover. Oh. The, the, it's like an iconic book cover, and he's got it blown up and set in resin. It looks amazing. I'll, look, I'll, I'll post that to the, to the site. I'll ask for a picture of him. So in this essay, he set forth the idea that the ability to achieve orgasm, which you said before he called orgastic potency, was an essential attribute of the healthy individual. Failure to achieve orgasm and the pent-up sexual energy, it's going to lead to neurosis and, like we said, cancer. Which in some ways, he's actually not wrong because jerking off for men actually helps prevent prostate cancer. So if you're a man listening to this right now, stop what you're doing and have a wank because it's for the good of your health. That's, that's the reason I wank at least four times a day. At least. See, you're never going to get prostate cancer. You're looking after your health. You can wank anywhere health. and just say that it's prostate cancer that you're doing it for. Willie had been largely ignored by the scientific community up until this point because an article in the New Republic uh, written by Mildred Edie Brady. You just know that Mildred Edie Brady is like a really stuck up East Bridget. Coast kind. Yeah. yeah, she's just that type, isn't she? She's uh, She details in like lurid graphic print his life works and of course his now famous invention. Orgone, named after the sexual orgasm, is according to Reich a cosmic energy. It is, in fact, the cosmic energy. Reich has not only discovered it, he has seen it, demonstrated it, and named a town, Orgonon. I always said it, I was saying it wrong the whole time I was writing it down. Orgonon? Orgonon? 
how would you say Orgonon? I would say Orgonon. It's a weird one. But yeah, Orgonon. Orgonon. I was saying Orgonon, Maine. It's probably Orgonon. So is this a town where just everybody's having orgasms all the time? Yes. Wow, must be very In Willie's world it is. And smell it. Here he builds a... (laughs) It definitely sounds like tuna. (laughs) Here he builds accumulators, which he rents out to patients who presumably derive orgastic potency from it. So... A little bit about the historic house that he has here, and it's now become a landmark. In the summer of 1940, Willie was on a trip on the, I'm going to massacre a lot of these words because they're like they're just so mean to me, <laughs> Rangley Lakes in New England. And whilst off his mental nut during the nighttime, he declared the existence of Orgon energy in the night sky. That, this is where he discovers it. Later on, he's going to purchase a cabin here on, wish me luck, Moose Look Maguntic Lake. Moose Look Maguntic Lake. You know, if there's anybody from Maine listening. I mean, it's <laughs> these sorry. are all like Native American names. So I have no idea how to pronounce that. Yeah, I was about to say, and they say that the Brits have stupid names for things. Well, Brits... Is that like offensive to say? Because you're like, oh, it's, it's Native American. We have all our things are named after Vikings. Yeah, but Brits seem to somehow fit the word cock into every town. I don't know how you guys do it. Right. So cock a mouth. Cock <laughs> is the name of the river. And it's the mouth of it. So it's where the mouth of the river cock is. That's why they call it cockamouth. But us locals <laughs> oh, that call it Nobogop. That's right? the river cock. <laughs> that's why That's why we got to name the town Cockermouth. Yeah, it makes perfect uh, sense. We Not are going uh, to let everyone know when the London meetup is very soon. We're in the process of booking it. But when you come up to Carlisle, we should go for a little, we'll go for a little jaunt out to Nobogop. And we'll get your picture taken in front of the sign. <laughs> Nobogop, I would love that. Well, you know, yeah, we'll th- that's it. the thing though. Throughout the, throughout the States, there's these like, towns and rivers named native americans named them so it's saginaw where i grew up there's a lake i used or a river that i used to love uh um love saying the name it was river the the titabawasi river titabawasi yeah it rolls off the tongue i don't know what it means yeah i like, but I like the he's going to return to his cabin here continuously to conduct his experiments and research he would eventually buy a 175-acre property of fields, forests, and hills. We all know how much an acre is judged by sharks. So that's a lot of sharks near Dodge Pond. And this is the property that he names um, Argonian, or Oregon, whatever he names it, in 1947. In 1947, it's also when construction begins on the Argonne Energy Observatory funded by Willie, his patrons, and his students. He even considered building a hospital on this site because he's obviously going to cure cancer here. His dreams of his own Argonne Township would never be fulfilled, but they were starting. He was going to build his own little communities, kind of like Jim Jones before Jim Jones. Well, there's a a museum, and like his home, you can go visit it in Wrangley, Maine. You can stay in it. Yeah. It's an Airbnb. You can stay there. It's £139 a night. That's not that bad. It's huge as well. There's like eight bedrooms, five bathrooms. I would do that. I mean, that's like kind of a cool historical thing to do. It's just so far up in Maine that it would take you a while to get there. We should do it one day when we're like doing that whole like, um, like going to see all the the leaves changing. I've never done the East Coast up there. Like I've never been to Massachusetts really or Rhode Island or any of that. So I, I would love to do that one day. We'll do it. 
By this point, the hip and the trendy were well aware of the power of the organ. On New Year's Eve 1946, Allen Ginsberg sat in an organ accumulator for the first time. And he later wrote a letter to Reich asking for treatment from the man himself. The other beats were bubbling with buy-ins over Dr. Willie. Burroughs reads his 48 book, The Cancer Biophy, uh, and he wrote to Kerouac, I tell you, Jack, he's the only man in the analysis line who is on the beam. After reading the book, I built an organ accumulator, and the gimmick really works. The man is not crazy. He is a fucking genius. That's my Burroughs impression. It's really good. It's dead on. Stop laughing, because it's kind of spot on. I just need to get the southern draw more in. Shortly after this letter, he moved to Mexico City with his wife, Joan. We covered what was happening here in episode 780, The Beat Generation Murders. That was ages ago now. Burroughs even devotes an essay to the organ accumulator in his book, The Adding Machine. As an aside, one of his more popular books, Junkie, lends heavily towards Reich's findings and experiments with trying to cure cancer and how cells react. And Naked Lunch pays many a reference to the sex box. I mean, I th- he's all over Burroughs' books. I think that's the first time I had ever actually heard about the sex box was in Naked Lunch. But I didn't know about Dr. Reich until years later. So I have this clip from a guy nice. who... I guess, so Burroughs had a room at the YMCA, not surprising, and uh, this guy still <laughs> maintains like, Burroughs' possessions in this room. So I guess this guy was like an on and off yeah. lover uh, with Burroughs, and so he still maintains this room that, uh, that Burroughs used to keep at the Y, and inside the room is the organ box. So here he is explaining the organ box to, I don't know if it's the BBC or someone's interviewing him. This is the organ box of Wilhelm Reich belonging to William Burroughs had himself built an organ box. First on Franklin Street, and then when he moved here, he bought it here. And uh, the idea was that you sit in there, and it's you know, Wilhelm Reich, so there's a, a layer of metal, an organic layer of wood, and then there was originally sort of a, what they call a real organic, like a bearskin covering the whole thing. And if you sat in there, you would collect, this is Willie Burroughs, he would be collecting orgone energy, or any, we would be collecting orgone energy, which has this power. And, it's, and he drank a lot of vodka. So I said, how could you get up in the morning with a hangover and go and sit in one of these <laughs> The hangover is enough you have to get rid of before you start collecting your orgone. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like a little, kind of like a little closet, like a little wardrobe. And it's yeah. got this chair and it's just metal, like, you know, metal surrounding it on the on the and the on the whole inside is just a, is is you know all metal. So you just sit in this dark this dark room on this chair that's not a toilet seat chair; it's a regular chair, and uh, nurse your hangover. I guess the guy's name is John Giorno, and uh, yeah, this is um, yeah the poet. Yeah, he was a, he was also a poet as well. I think he died in 2019, but this is filmed. I don't know. This is actually in 2018. But this is one of the places that Burroughs lived, and uh, he, it, it was a bunker, and so people could stay there. And so this guy preserved it for Burroughs. I love that. The general public are hip to Reich's box, even though many undoubtedly unquestioned his facts, and they probably never read a single one of his books, unlike the hip cat beat boys. Reich took on the persona of a mad scientist with the sex machines, part of popular culture that would be reflected as the evil Dr. Duran Duran in a Barbarella or the Orgasmatron in Woody Allen's Sleeper. I've only seen that film once, 
But mm. I was reading reviews of it, and like some people say, it's like one of the greatest, most underrated film Woody Allen films. But other people hate it, so I'm gonna have to rewatch it. It's very Woody Allen, put it that way. I love Woody Allen. Like, I, I'm, like not as a person because you know he shags his his adopted child. But like, I, love I like his some of Woody Allen's films. Some of them, you kind of just have to tolerate and get through. I love Annie Hall. I mean, I Annie have Hall's to, a, a Annie Hall's woman. brilliant. Sleeper is not Annie Hall. Okay. This attention of his ultimate invention, it's going to be the beginning of the end for our protagonist, Willie. So author Christopher Turner suggested that the orgasmatron, um, that the, elect- the electromechanical device that Alan's character Monroe encounters in the sleeper was a parody of Wilhelm Reich's organ accumulator. Even though, but even though Woody Allen doesn't say that, but it has to be. And I could also see Woody Allen being the type of person who would be like, I've got to go sit in my organ accumulator. I'm schwitzing everywhere. You know, he's so neurotic. I could see like Woody Allen really enjoying an organ accumulator and breaking it <laughs> with his neuroses. I just wonder if he would be like, I don't know why you make me get in this box. I got to sit in this box. What's this box going to do? I could see him complaining the entire time. That's what I mean. And then it yeah. would just explode because it can't handle him. <laughs> Willie. Uh, Willie was becoming increasingly more paranoid. He would scroll messages to the red fascists that had invaded his home and whom were plotting to kill him. One note read, want to make it look like a suicide? And another said, this room is wired for me and for you as an equal citizen. Just real mad stuff. You have to say that again. You buzzed. Say, take it, take it. I'm from just going to do the whole thing. Okay. Again, because I the whole thing. Yeah, it, it, I, it was like a really loud buzz too that time. It's been bad this. It's been bad tonight. I don't know why. Wonder if it's the weather. You don't have any wires crossing, do you? No. No. Yeah, I don't know why. No. Willie's becoming increasingly more paranoid by this point. He would scroll messages to the red fascists that he claimed had invaded his home, and they were, you know, plotting to kill him. One note read, "Want to make it look like a suicide." And another said, this room is wired for me and for you as an equal citizen, which is kind of thoughtful of him. He's fully convinced that the CIA was trying to stop his research. He began writing down false information in an effort to thwart them. The hoodlums and government did not get the real stuff. The real stuff is all inside my head. Yeah, his head, that's, that's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. <laughs> he is a mentalist, this guy. He believed that the U.S. Air Force scheduled overflights above Organon to protect him, and that an international fascist communist conspiracy plotted against his work. And keep in mind, he was a communist back in Berlin. Um, uh, He said that Orgone held the political potential of world control, and that Eisenhower, who's, you know, um, was moving quietly to embrace him when the time was right. But at the point, at this point, he wasn't exactly amenable to Reich's theories. A student, Myron Sharaf, observed Reich at night. He's the guy that actually wrote a, a book about him. Observed Reich at night in his laboratory wearing a bandana around his neck and a revolver on his hip. So the guy was armed. This mentalist cool. was armed. And Reich said, don't think I'm peculiar. You'll learn about these things after a while. It's like, okay, with the voices in your head, I'm going to hear them too. We are going to find out why he is paranoid, though. And don't forget, he was locked up and thrown onto Ellis Island for three weeks. After that, you're going to kind of believe that the government has a, maybe a bit of a thing against you. 
So well, I'm sure the government partners. was like, this guy's you know forming his own town. He's got this theory about this orgone energy that can control the weather. I'm sure the government was was monitoring him. Put it that way. So the real stuff that he was hiding inside his head included his new invention for which Kate Bush would write a song about called cloud busting. This was his new way to visualize, measure, and harness orgone energy from the atmosphere. He claimed it could affect weather patterns by altering the orgone energy in the atmosphere. So it was a set of hollow metal pipes and cables inserted into water. Water attracts and absorbs orgone after all. And this draws the atmospheric orgone through the pipes. This movement apparently creates clouds and it allows Willy to release orgone clouds back into the sky. And it kind of looks like an anti-aircraft gun. It's menacing. It's I'm big. To look, I'll, I'll see if I can find a picture of this in post it because I, I haven't heard of this. In my, in my mind, when it, before I looked at pictures of it, I just kind of thought, oh, it'd be like something you could put on your windowsill. It's fucking huge. <laughs> it's gigantic. He used the cloud buster to conduct experiments involving what he called the cosmic orgone engineering, the C-O-R-E. And maybe the two are incredibly related. But at this point, he also began to believe that the planet was under attack from UFOs. <laughs> He would sit outside at night with his son, his binos, and his telescopes just watching the skies for surprises. He even shot down several ships down in Arizona when he had been renting a house in what he said was a full-scale interplanetary battle. Now, this is mental, right? Before I can defend him, now I can't. This is mental. Okay. This is nuts. I'm glad you're coming over to see it from uh, my perspective. Yeah, no, he is like fully batshit crazy at this point. Like, he's definitely gone insane. Um, Reich's orgone compulsion led him to, like... The, to, to devise all these acronyms, abbreviations, and delusions. So he kept finding new variants and applications. Oranor, Core, C-O-R-E, Orur, and Dor. Means nothing. These nonsensical acronyms all postulated as a result of his experiments with orgone and radioactive materials that he, that he experimented with, with his wife, Ilsa, and his daughter, Ava, his son, Peter, and along with that writer, Myron Sharoff. So D-O-R meant deadly orgone. And it got its name because everyone became ill while messing around with radium and accumulators at Organon, Reich's, uh, Reich's retreat. It was Dor, D-O-R, uh, that Reich believed in 1952 and 1953 was the cause of the bluish light various observers saw from flying saucers. So they saw this bluish light shimmering through the openings of the machines in the saucers. So the saucers were emitting the door. And so flying saucers were spaceships, Reich said, powered by orgone energy. And door was the exhaust from these machines as they consumed the orgone, because that's what they used to okay. fly through space and time, orgone energy. He also thought that the spaceships extraterrestrial pilots might be bombarding the Earth's atmosphere in an act of war, interplanetary conflict. Or possibly they're giving us a cosmic lesson concerning the immunization benefits of door sickness. So you know what it was? He's sitting here playing with like radioactive materials. It's making him go insane. It's probably giving everybody cancer. 
Now, anything that he can't blame on the CIA, he's going to begin to blame on the aliens. <laughs> of course. Uh, he couldn't blame his wife, Ilsa, anymore either. So Ilsa had watched him as he downward spiraled into paranoia and also alcohol abuse. She said, he was drinking a lot and that was worrying me. I think one has to recognize that Reich's logic had carried him on and on so far into space that at some point he began sometimes to lose contact with reality. In 1952, she was granted a divorce and she went to work for the Hamilton School in Massachusetts to escape him. After he'd used his cloudbuster to save that year's blueberry crop in Maine, the FDA went full force for Reich in February of 54. The complaint declared that argon energy does not exist and they were asking the court to prohibit the shipment of accumulators and to ban his literature, which they claimed as harmful, and it was basically essentially advertising for all his sham accumulators. Well, they charged him with violation of the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act by delivering misbranded and adulterated devices in interstate commerce and by making false and misleading claims. So the FDA said that, they, that it was all a sham and that orgone energy is non-existent. Like, it's imaginary. He just made it up. Even though they haven't done tests, I would like to point this out. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really test it. They just, they just kind of deemed him a, an insane person. They deemed him a fraud of the first and magnitude. Yeah. Over the course of a decade, the agency had spent millions investigating Reich. They purchased accumulators. They built their own to conduct tests. They did surveillance, tracking, they interviewed his patients, they fished out his dead mice to cut open in teeny tiny autopsies, and they also repeatedly made unannounced trips to Argonon, Argonian, Argon, you know where he's living in Maine. Well, so they, they were testing these accumulators. And they're well, doing research. Yeah, but to they're see also they're probably working. not building them to spec. And everything else they're doing is like surveilling him and spending millions of pounds. They're saying he's a threat before well, they've even like judged him. I mean, here you have this guy claiming to be able to control weather, forming his own town. It's almost like a, a weird commune. I could see why they'd be surveilling him just to see what's going on. But I'm saying this kind of justifies his kind of paranoia, though, and his batshit mentality, because he's probably not so daft because he's under surveillance 24 hours a day. Like just these, you know, the governmental fishers rocking up to your door officials like just showing up it's gonna freak you out well, forever and always i'm sure it's exacerbating his uh, his paranoia but maybe he should have been more transparent yeah. with them and let them know what he's doing applied for permits or something it is worth noting here that reich's concept of argon is basically a positive one he's not setting out to hurt anyone In fact, you could view it as a step towards individual freedom and liberation and a kind of quest for introspection. He's not asking you for your money. Like, you can go out there and build your own argon accumulator if you want. Or you could purchase one, but you can build your own and sit inside of it. Well, he provided instructions to people to build it, right? Exactly, yeah, in pamphlets. So William wrote to the judge saying he refused to appear in court to defend himself, saying... Scientific matters can only be clarified by prolonged, faithful, bona fide observations in friendly exchange of opinion, never by litigation. Man's right to know, to learn, to inquire, to make bona fide errors, to investigate human emotion must, by all means, be safe. If the word freedom should ever be more than an empty political slogan. 
If a period of over 30 years could not convince this administration or will not be able to convince any other administration of the true discovery of the life energy, no litigation in any car anywhere will ever help to do so. He has a point. They're very close-minded. They are, but he does have a point. He's like, you know, been researching this and they're just coming at him uh, saying that, no, we know better than you. Like, I'm on Willie's side again. Even though the methods of the FDA were highly dubious and they're kind of unscrupulous, at the end of the investigation, and based on the fact that Willie didn't show in court, on March the 19th, 1954, a decree of injunction was issued. As well as being called a fraudster, the injunction also declared that all accumulators and their parts would be destroyed. All materials for the accumulators are to be destroyed, and his books and any literature mentioning Argonne Energy were to be deleted and destroyed in America. Yeah, and it's it's not just I know they're they're so intolerant of this, and it in this injunction covered anyone working with him, and anybody who owned one. You were supposed to go and destroy these organic accumulators. Like they were so dead set against it that they're they were like put a court order to have these things destroyed. So it makes me wonder, like, why did they perceive this as such a threat? Exactly. And I'm not one for conspiracy theories, but exactly. For the second time in his life, Willie's books were thrown to the pyre as the FDA orchestrated a huge bonfire at his home where the accumulators were burned, as well as thousands of his books and journals. Although Reich's political theories kind of bored William Burroughs, he's fully on his side. He wrote, new discoveries and products are suppressed because they threaten vested interests. The medical profession is suppressing Reich's organ accumulator and his discoveries relative to the use of the dangers of organic energy. The medical profession has a vested interest in illness. They suppress any discovery that strikes at the root of illness. I do a good William S. Burroughs impression, D, for a check. Stop laughing at me. I wish you would just do this whole podcast in that voice. It would take four hours. <laughs> One of my, um, so I was talking like last week about my writing teacher, Nick Pemberton. So Nick actually was lucky enough to go and see William S. Burroughs uh, talk once. And uh, somebody in the audience was like getting bored by it. And he was like, speak faster. <laughs> and uh, Burroughs was like, Listen faster. <laughs> As his comeback, I loved it. Reich's still making profit from these accumulators, and his devoted students, they're found to be smuggling parts out of Maine, and they're taking them to his new home in Arizona, and because of this, the court found him in contempt of the injunction. On a May 7th, 1956, he's sentenced to two years in a federal prison. He quickly appeals his sentence. His books and his accumulators were still being burned, probably one of the most heinous examples of censorship in United States history, and the only nationally sanctioned book burning in American history. Yeah, no, it's, I feel it, bad for it him. definitely parallels the uh, the Nazis and uh, Nazi Germany that uh, he escaped from. Yeah, and then to come to this and like, yeah. and again, it makes you think what information that was so threatening to America that they felt the need to burn books. In the 50s. Well, I mean, at the time, though, you had like McCarthyism and communism and everyone was so paranoid and panicked. Yeah, but nobody's burning Marx works. I think There's they were. I think, they banned, I think they banned a lot of that. I mean, hey, 
don't get me wrong. They're still banning books to this day. Like Florida. Yeah, but they're not burning them as a difference. Well, they're banning books in libraries. Like any book that deals with a gay character, banned. In, like in Florida. Yeah, in yeah Florida, it's insane. DeSantis. On March the 8th, 1957, he signed his last will and testament where he established the Wilhelm Reich Infant Trust Fund, still going today, and securing Orgonian with a Wilhelm Reich Museum, still there, to safeguard his research and archives. All his appeals were now denied, and he died of heart failure in the federal penitentiary in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania on November the 3rd, 1957. Not one scientific or psychiatric journal mentioned his passing. His last wish was that his works be sealed for 50 years in the hope that someday there might be a better society to accept his ideas and machines. People like me. I mean, it's an ironically brutal end for somebody whose life was dedicated to enlarging and promoting the freedoms of other people. Yeah. In fact, it was only recently that any form of scientific experiment was actually conducted to see if orgone was even real or not. Like only recently, in 2010, for his PhD thesis, I'm sorry, Gunter Heibenstreit, I'm probably saying your name wrong. He analyzed the electrophysiology of erogenous and non-erogenous skin zones in connection with the tension charge formula of Reich. And he examined this formula in connection with the phenomena such as a change of temperature inside an argon accumulator. And he did, he kind of did that in a thesis in 1995, but he's now expanding it in 2010. He probably finally got the funding for it. It probably took like 15 years. But Gunther had no interest in making his organs visible through a microscope or any method like Willie claimed to have done. He's only interested in the measurability of the effects of the device, a task in which he succeeded. Hmm. So he kind of technically proved organ, but he didn't, but he did. But did he, he make his own orgone box? It he proved like he that did. changes occur. Hmm. Yeah, he proved that when you're inside the accumulator, changes will occur to you physiology, phys- in like your physical form. As of 2023, not a single attempt has been made to eliminate the red, white, and blue particles that Wright claims to have seen under his microscope when finding the orgone. Probably kind of easy, though, because you're just sorting through protons. So it's probably really easy to dismiss. And that's why they're not doing it, because it's hmm. probably something you learn in, like, I don't know, day two of science school. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe it's just kind of really just basic or something. And they yeah. just dismissed it. Scientists, please call in. I know scientists listen to this show. <laughs> His legacy was already set by the time he died. He predicted when what he said about sexual liberation in the 30s. No power can stop it. Norman Mailer owes much of his ideas of the orgasm in his 1957 essay, The White Negro. If anyone gets offended, I'm quoting, the, I'm quoting Mailer. Reich, even in death, was the unsung leader in the new cult of sex and anarchy. By the 60s and the 70s, his cult had grown to include hippies and dreamers because he's the perfect counterculture icon, one who believes in sexual liberation and freedom and instead, he's hunted death at the hands of the American government. He was so ahead of his time, but he's also trapped in his time, too. And that's why he's regarded as one of the few truly tragic figures of the 20th century. I mean, the, the government pretty much shut this guy down. I know. You killed him. America killed him. Yeah. <laughs> Although the Nazis would have, too. 
he's a sexual evangelicist, right? He's hated by the Nazis, feared by the puritanical, commie-hating USA. Now his accumulators are collector pieces that are objects of interest. In 1993, Kurt Cobain... Um, I'm going to do like an overkill soon where I talk about like uh, the Courtney Love conspiracy theories. Because, you know, there's so many. She's apparently a serial killer. Did she have an organ box? talk about her soon. No, but Burroughs did when he yeah, lived in Lawrence, Burroughs Kansas. Did. And Kirk Bain goes and visits him. Burroughs had kept his organ accumulator outside in his garden. It's now overrun by weeds, cats, and spiders. Kurt sat inside the box, but not before he made Burroughs, who's like 97 at this point, <laughs> go inside and get away all the spiders because he's scared of spiders. And then Burroughs snapped a picture of a sad but smiling Pisces boy waving from inside the chamber. You know, maybe if Kurt had sat in the box for real, harnessed the power of the organ, he wouldn't have put a bullet through his brains the next year. That's all I'm saying. You know, maybe he needed his own box. Did you ever hear that uh, record that they that he made with him? The priest they called him. Uh, yeah, I've heard some of those. Like that's from like the '80s, wasn't it? No, it's it was like a, I think it was a poem. The one with Nick Cave. Kurt Cobain. No, Kurt Cobain's playing guitar, but it's Burroughs reciting this poem. I bought it years oh, right. ago. I, I still have that. it on CD. I can't listen to it because I don't have anything. I'm sure it's online somewhere, but it is actually kind of cool. It's it's the priest they call them. Now, um, I know Nick Cave wrote something similar. Well, they did songs with him. That, yeah. Like Nick Cave did songs, but I mean, Kurt Cobain owes his like kind of whole career to William S. Burroughs. As does Courtney Love. They did the the Burroughs cut of Method was like a big hit in their yeah. songwriting process. But that's a story for another day. Maybe D, if we all had a, an accumulator of our very own. The world might be a little bit better of a place. Might all be a little bit happier. So, all gone but not forgotten to the mad sexy daddy Wilhelm Reich. Uh, now and forever entombed in his spiritual home. Uh, oh, gone and on and on. And we should go visit. I would totally stay in his Airbnb and like sit up late at night and, you know, take some mushrooms and watch the skies. Was he buried there? Like his graves there? Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, there's like a... Um, he's entombed in there, so I'm, I'm assuming. I actually did go and find a grave. Because I always do that, looking to see if I can see their graves. And it, it was just information. So there probably mm. is inscriptions and stuff. That's interesting. So I guess the question from this, was Reich a genius? Or was he yes. completely mad? You know, a lot of his students even said there's no need for orgone experimentation, and that the testing that they did really didn't lead to anything. <laughs> it was all hypothetical. But Reich dreamed the human potential movement. You know, he taught psychotherapy to see the soul through the body. Uh, he was the first person to do that. He defined sexual pleasure as a birthright. It's something that we all should be allowed to have and, 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 and you know, and grow. Um, you know, the thing is with Reich, because you look at him and you think, did he actually, I mean, was his existence for naught? Like, what did he actually achieve? I know no. the U.S. government shut him down. I know they, they claimed that he was a fraud. and they burned his boxes. But if you think about it, there are more types of porn than you can imagine on the Internet within seconds. You know, that you have access to discover bizarre kinks you never knew existed. And you can connect with people via social media to explore and expand on these kinks. Homosexuality is now accepted as part of our national consciousness. And as much as conservatives try to fight it, transsexuality will be soon enough as well. 
You know, I know they're trying to shut that down. I do want to point down. out here that Willie was kind of against homosexuality in his later life. He but was. They all, they all turned. He was. But to begin with. Yeah, but he was for sexual liberation. And that's what I'm yeah, saying. I think, kind of oxymoron. You know, yeah. I, I think he was initially, I think he was, he was okay with it, about it, but I think he felt that you could cure homosexuality. But I think that was also a sign of the times. The time, yeah, the you 50s. Know? Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, we're living with Reich and Reich's philosophies, whether you want to admit it or not. I mean, maybe watching Pornhub on our laptops and our iPhones are the conduits of, uh, you know, modern conduits of orgone energy. You know, you never really know. You know, Reich thought that hateful and cruel behaviors were a consequence of uh, the unequal and deforming systems that we have in our society and where people are forced to live in this. So maybe the tragedy of Reich's life is that nearly 100 years later, these systems still exist. You know, maybe the better, the, the you know, utopia that he believed in, you know, hasn't ex- exactly happened yet, but maybe we're on our way. Um, right on, but, brother. Right on. Yeah, you know, who knows? You know, you never know. But Reich once told the student uh, who wrote a book about him, Myron Sheroff, that a person like me comes along only once every thousand years. And I know that sounds kind of arrogant, but I think there's truth to that statement. It's true. I do. I do think so. Reich I can't really think is. of too many. I can't really think of too many doctors with theories like, uh, with just original theories like Wilhelm Reich. No. And I mean... I, we, I did him as part of my degree. I did him. Did him hard as part of my degree, you know. I want to see if I could track down one of these orgone boxes. I wouldn't mind having one. I think, well, you know how I want the Vietnam diorama in our house one day? We'll have a Vietnam diorama. Well, maybe we should copy a bit of Burroughs and we'll get an accumulator and we'll shove it outside. We'll put it next to the pool. Yeah, why not? Anyway, people, whether he was mad or not, you can decide. But I do think society has felt the, uh, the effects of Dr. Wilhelm Reich. Uh, this is episode 903 here, Sick and Wrong. We got some phone calls coming up next. 323-522-4032 is that number. But first, here's a quick message from Adam and Eve. It's Butt Plug Month on AdamandEve.com. Show that you still care by bringing something new into the bedroom. And by something new, I mean a butt plug. Because if you order right now and use coupon code DIDDLE, you get 50% off your first item, a gift so sensual I can't even tell you about it on this podcast that talks about murder and bukkake, and on top of all of that, free shipping. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's D-I-D-D-L-E. Okay, Rambo, we got a couple phone calls to get to. People, you can call the Sick and Wrong hotline, 323-522-4032, or you can just email us. Send us an MP3, sickandwrongpodcast at gmail.com. Either way, we do want to hear from you. And I'm building out a backlog. So we have a, a backlog of calls to play for future shows. So give us a ring. You know, this guy, this guy that called us up today. This guy. Yeah, this guy. This guy. Um, he hasn't called in for years. And people that have listened to the show since Harrison might remember this guy. He had called his girlfriend a cunt. And uh, he called, like he he called the show. It. No, he, like he he did it like he was angry with her and he called her a cunt. Yeah, like he meant it. Yeah. Well, yeah. then she has a right to be angry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think the I don't think it worked out for him, you know, relationship wise. <laughs> but anyway, he was calling me and Harrison to be like, what can I do? I called my girlfriend a cunt and she's mad at me. And so we gave him some fucking retarded advice, I'm sure. But anyway, Probably. we haven't heard from him in like 
probably years. So he gives us a call back. This is the guy who called his girlfriend a cunt. The Grenon! What up? Shit, I haven't called the uh, show in a, a while, I guess. Uh, let's see. I'm the I'm the dude. I used to have a long-term girlfriend, and then I uh, I called her a cunt, and she broke up with me. Um, <laughs> and then I did a bunch of internet dating. I think I called you guys. I had, like, a butthole pictures girl. That I- yeah, so this guy, oh, yeah. this was the guy who was into gaping, and he was having, like, girlfriends, like, send him pictures. They're, like, spread assholes. No, the, the gay guy was a different guy, wasn't it? I thought no, this pretty was the sure guy it was this guy. Was... Oh, I don't adventure. know. I thought this was the guy who went Anyways, on... I, I, got a, I got a new adventure here for you. Let's see. I, I matched with this chick on Bumble, right? And and then she just starts bombarding me with messages. Oh, take me out next weekend. Come take me out on a date. Oh, take me out. It is comforting to know that he's still on the dating apps. <laughs> And they work well for him. I mean, this cunt guy must be a good-looking dude. Because as yeah. soon as he gets on the apps, there are girls just like, I'm going to show you my butthole. I want you to take me out and take me out on a date. So, like, yeah, he must be pretty good, like, good-looking. He's very persuasive. He can get girls to show them pictures of his butthole or their butthole. So I think that's going to Him cool. and JoJo need to, like, swap tips. Oh, yeah, they could trade. Uh, they could They could trade secrets. To be honest, this is like this is like a huge red flag. It's like, uh, why is she so fucking interested in me? You know what I mean? It's like, I, I'm not fucking Luke Perry over here. You know? Um, <laughs> so maybe Perry. isn't that good looking? I love how he says or Luke maybe Perry. He's not. I know. <laughs> isn't Luke Perry fucking dead? <laughs> yeah, Luke Perry died a while ago. But I imagine Luke Perry was like, you know, one of the sex symbols back in like what 1996. Is it, is it not even kind of before that? It's like, I'm no Christian Slater in Heathers. <laughs> I'm no Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> but... We need Steel here to bring out all the 1970s <laughs> TV hosts that no one knows. So anyway, I, I go look at her profile and, and do some investigation. And it's like, oh, yeah, lots of zoomed in. Uh, face pictures, lots of big titty cleavage, no full body shots. That's oh, a red flag. And totally. it, it's also, there's angled shots. Like if you see a lot of these shots from above looking down on the girl, you could tell that there's something deceiving there. That's it's a deceptive. classic MySpace pose though. You know, it's like a scene girl's pose. Yeah, but I think a lot of larger women tend to do that too. <laughs> larger women. Larger, big girls, big women. I think they have ways they can manipulate like photography so it makes them look a little smaller. Do you think she's just trying to get a free buffet dinner out of cunt guy here? Take me out next week because they're doing a five ninety nine lobster dinner. <laughs> you know what Jojo told me when I saw him in uh, New York? Oh. What he tends to do is he does a Zoom call with the girl first. That's very modern of him. Did they have a drink or something, or is it practically like an ASL over Zoom? Not sure what ASL is, but he age, does... Age, sex, location, D. Age, sex, location. You were never on MSN Messenger then. No, it was AOL Messenger. You would say ASL, and you'd be like, even though you were 15, you'd be like, um, I'm 18, I live in London, and uh, I'm female, 
and uh, how old are you? And it would be like an older guy and you'd just start catfishing him even though you're 15. It was called Age Sex Location? ASL. Yeah, everyone my age knows what ASL means. You sound like you have experience It would be the first thing you would say, hey, ASL. Yeah, I I, I never really did that. But no, he said that they do the Zoom call, which he prefers doing, so he doesn't have to waste his time and money going and meeting them for a drink if they don't look like their picture. And I mean, I versa. get it. Vice yeah, versa. I get it, but it, it does sound really kind of like dry. I'd be like, let's have a Zoom call where we both drink one glass of wine. Well, and plus, he, I, I suppose it's good because you can see the inside of their apartment without he having said, to go there. Yeah, he said it's very telling. He's like, I, he goes, it's kind of the new thing we do. He's like, I don't know why we never did this before. He's like, but now a lot of women, a lot of women want to do the Zoom call so they can see what you look like. They can see how you live. Yes. And then from there, decide whether or not to have the introductory drink. I think it saves time. Yeah, it does. Oh, okay. So, yeah, this, this is a great big fat person. I mean, there's, there's no other explanation for this. <laughs> oh, and she, and she lives like almost two hours away from me. So I'm like, okay, fuck this. That's uh, not going to work. My, my standards are not that low. So I, when I was on the dating apps here in L.A., I wouldn't even date a girl in Long Beach. That's too far. Or Santa Monica. I'm not going. I'm not driving an hour and a half. I love the fact you say that. Dude, that's really funny considering you ended up getting with somebody who lives in England. Well, that is true. I would even date a girl in Long Beach. It's bitterly ironic. But yes, that is true. But um, I would never like, that. that's a factor. That's definitely a factor. Geographic location is a huge factor in LA. Yeah, I can understand that. You used to be like that in London. For a bit. But then... She keeps messaging me, oh, go out with me, go out with me. And then, like, finally she's like, hey, look, dude, if you take me out next weekend, I promise you I'll make it worth your while. Wink, wink, wink. Mm. So I'm like, oh, okay. She's a slut. What exactly do you mean by that? And she goes, okay, well, let's just say a glass of wine is not the only thing I'm going to put in my mouth. And I'm going to swallow a lot more than just Chardonnay. Whoa. Wow. I I like the cut of her jib. Yeah, I wonder what she means here. Like the uh, Denny's buffet or something? (laughs) (laughs) How many lobster rolls are you going to say? Oh, we're being fattest. (laughs) We're going to Olive Garden here. You know? I really, Dee, I really want to go to an Olive Garden. You know, you I don't want to go to an Olive Garden. Well, I know where there's a couple here. You can find them in LA, but they're hard to find like places like San Francisco. I think we should go for like a really cheesy, like drunken afternoon in Olive Garden. There's this episode of um, Newlyweds that I want to recreate with Jessica Simpson when they go to Olive Garden. So that's all I'll be thinking about. You know, I got to say the Olive Garden unlimited soup, uh, salad and breadsticks, breadsticks is a great deal. It's it's super good. It's it's actually really good. Fuck. Now I have to fucking go out with her. I'm like, Fuck God yeah. damn it. So I'm like, okay, fine. I fucking, uh, I go the two hours and I go to pick her up. And yeah, yeah, I go meet her and sure enough, she, she's as big as a fucking cow. Of course. But yeah, we, we we go out, we go out, have some drinks and that kind of thing. And then at the end of the night, we go back to my car. 
and uh and we get in the driver's seat and then she she leans over and you know she she does exactly what she said she was gonna do uh you know give her credit for that oh she she swallowed and everything uh nice. although that might have been uh just because she was hungry i guess that's possible <laughs> but um after that i went home i'm like okay what's done is done and uh that's that so i, I went home and then of course she. So that's the end of part one there. I love how it's like, oh yeah, she just swallowed your sperm because she's hungry. I'm sure, I'm sure a woman that size needs more than that. No, a woman of no size swallows sperm because she's hungry. We do it because we're nice, right? I've never once been like, I'm so hungry, I'm going to eat some sperm right now. No, I swallow it because I'm, I'm, I'm a nice person and it's rude to spit it out in front of you. Like, I've swallowed some disgusting sperm. But I'm not going to be rude and spit it out in front of you. <laughs> Isn't that considered a handshake for a northern slag? <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel that uh, me and this uh, me and this cow broad have an affinity. I feel like I could hit up the buffet with her. I also I, enjoy a glass of wine. <laughs> I would, in this instance, well, it sounds like, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like this guy must have been kind of into it if if he's, you know, going to meet her for a blowjob. I like her moxie. Yeah, but if I was him, I probably wouldn't have done the Zoom call. And if she wasn't down, then I probably wouldn't have driven two hours for that. Anyway, here's part two. He got a blowy. He did get a blowy, but I don't know. Is it worth it? Two-hour drive there and back? That's four hours for a blowjob. Hey, uh, part two of the story. So anyways, uh, she's texting me. Hey, take me out again. Take me out on another date. Take me out again. Take me out again. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. I, I really don't want to do this. So I start ghosting her. But then finally she's like, hey, look, dude. If you take me out again on a second date, I promise you I'm going to give you the best blowjob you've ever had in your entire life. I love how this is her bargaining chip. It's like it's all about, like, if you take me on a date, you take me out to dinner, you're going to get a blowjob. Like, that that's what I, she has to offer. Maybe she's really fucking good at them. It sounds like she she is good at it. I mean, maybe that's her maybe skill. Maybe she wants to suck cock, and it's like, it's a total win-win for her. She's like, I get this I get this dweeb to come down. He's going to drive two hours for me, which is a lol. And then he takes me out to dinner. He buys me some drinks. And then all I've got to do is suck his cock, and he comes in 30 seconds. It's like the easiest night ever. Yeah, I get a free, free meal. meal. Not too much work for her. And I'm going to give you two of them. They will be the two best blowjobs that you will ever have until the day that you die. She's really so like, upping okay, the ante here. Fucking bitch. So I'm like, okay, fine. Now I'm going out. I'm going to go see her again. So I, I pack my harpoon. I get in my ship and I go on the long journey to go find this whale. <laughs> suddenly we're suddenly it's uh suddenly he's Captain Ahab. Um so Captain so, Blowhab. <laughs> so he's gonna get two blowjobs. So does that mean he gets one when he first sees her before dinner and then one after dinner or two in a row? I had questions because I thought if he gets two in the row, that's kind of like prolonging it, isn't it? Because some men just can't go full mast straight away. Yeah, but you can't come two times in a row unless I mean, maybe you can. Unless, unless you're a porn star. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe this, maybe Luke Diggler. Perry can. Maybe cunt Luke Perry can. Or maybe her blowjobs are that good. 
No woman's blowjob. I, I, I go down again, and we go out on a second a second date. And, like, you know, it's the same as the first date. We go out and have some drinks and all that stuff. But at the end of the night, we go back to her house. I'm sure the con- the conversation was stimulating. I wonder, where did you go? <laughs> you where- couldn't then. Yeah, where, where did you go on your date? Did you go to dinner? Did you just go to the bar? Did you go get dessert? Like go get a banana split? You know, afterwards? I don't know if I'm being like witchy about this. Sometimes I have like weird intuitions and premonitions, but I do feel that onion rings were involved in their second date. I could be wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Do you I feel think like she's... they had she she had onion rings? But do you think she combined the onion rings and a blowjob? You know what? I was also just thinking about you could play a saucy game with the onion rings where you were trying to like hook them, you know, like throw them like over the erect penis. But then the, it's going to be like all hot and greasy and oily. It's not really a, a food I would associate, I would put around a dick. I think it would burn. You know, it's funny. This it would make the me... dick taste worse. <laughs> than it already did. Yeah, it already probably, I'm sure his dick already <laughs> smells like onions. So I don't know if you want to enhance that odor. <laughs> Um, this reminds me of a place in Chicago when my brother lived. Uh, when my brother lived in Chicago, and we both lived there. So we lived by Boys Town. So that's where Jeff worked at the Manhole and Cell Block. One of Jeff's favorite restaurants was this place called Buddies. Jeff loved okay. Buddies. It was this like super gay restaurant, but they did have pretty decent food. But their big thing, and every time we go there, the waiter would be like, "Do you want French fries or do you want twelve greasy inches?" And so he'd come out with what like a, choice. a, it was just like this wooden stick and on it would be like 12 onion rings stacked on top of each other. What if, what if I said both? We sometimes got both because Jeff was like, Jeff loves onion rings. So Jeff's like, oh, I'm getting 12 greasy inches for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to be very in the mood for an onion ring and you can only have, you can't like get onion rings takeaway because it has to be something that is brought to you boiling hot straight from the fryer and it has to be just dripping in grease and you have to have a really good like garlic mayonnaise although ranch would be amazing i imagine with that's what they typically bring you know i'm not a huge fan of onion rings but i gotta say buddy's 12 greasy inches are pretty mm. good pretty bring damn it on good. buddy and she's like okay get in my bed take your dick out and get ready for me so i'm like okay sweet so I get in her bed, I, I'm, I'm getting my dick out, I got a, like, a nice hard boner going, she's disappeared, I'm like, I'm like getting ready. And then she comes back, and she's, I don't know, she's wearing like fat chick lingerie or something. I'm like, lady, you don't have to seduce me here. Like, what the fuck are you doing? It's not really doing you any favors anyways, but whatever. <laughs> Just turn the lights down. Just turn the lights down a bit. What is fat chick lingerie? In, like, I think he means like from torrid. Was this like a moo moo or something? Torrid like, underwear. <laughs> well, like I'm just picturing very like large underwear, like big ass granny panties here. No, she's she's trying to look hot. There's a brand called Torrid, which like anyone who watches Amberlynn Reed will know what I'm talking about. She's in wearing torrid. In fact, this might actually be Amberlynn Reed that he's banging. Oh no, she's a lesbian. Straight Amberlynn Reed. So she comes up to me, she looks me in the eyes, and she goes, Okay. I am so horny right now. I'm gonna fuck the shit out of you. Unless you fucking jumps on top of me. Now, I was not prepared for this at all. 
I, I was not going to fuck this chick at all. But she, Dude, you have your dick out. I mean, did, didn't he pull his dick out? He's sitting on the bed? What do you yeah, think is going to happen? Yeah, he's in a bed. Yeah, and you're in the uh, Yeah, just a blowy as if. Gosh, you're going to be parking her. Come on. I guess he probably wasn't expecting her to, like, jump on top of him. I'm sure he got the, the wind she's, knocked out of him. She's horny, like that dolphin that shagged my best friend, Malcolm. Well, I would say probably more like the manatee that he shagged <laughs> after the dolphin. <laughs> I'm sitting there on her bed with my dick out. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? How, uh, tell her no? So, uh, basically, basically, I got date raped. I, I, I ended up fucking her and just ran home and, and never talked to her again. But anyway, my question for you guys, is there any way I could have gotten out of this? I, I don't mean, like, gotten out of there without fucking her. That would have been easy. I just say I had uh, diarrhea and ran for the door. What I mean... And I had, like, negotiation skills. Like, um, Denzel Washington in that movie, The Negotiator. Like, is there any way I could have gotten out of there without fucking her, but also gotten both of the blowjobs? Both blowjobs that she oh. promised me and no sex? Is there any way that could have happened with my, my, my skills of negotiation? Because I really couldn't think of anything. What do you guys think? Anyways. Well, I find it funny that he didn't want to have sex with her. Isn't the blowjob usually a prelude to sex? Yeah, but some dudes are all just about the blowjobs, aren't they? They're just like, give me a blowy and then they fall asleep. Do you think he he wanted a blowjob so he could close his eyes and think of someone more attractive giving him a blowjob? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Whereas when he's having sex, it's kind of difficult to avoid looking at her gargantuan body. He's got to park that parking pussy. My answer would have been, I would have suddenly come across quite kind of doomer and been like, well, I've I've never been with a woman before and I always wanted to save it for somebody really special. And I'm starting to have feelings for you, but like now is not the right time. But maybe if you give me my two blowjobs, the next day might be the right time. I would have demanded that. anal. I think she would have given you it. She sounds horny. You know, the mistake here is that he went into her house. Like, had he stayed in into the car... the bedroom. Well, had no, he stayed in the... No, he could have gone into the couch. couch no, but... It... Couch is also a primo blowjob territory. I'm just saying, logistically, she wouldn't be able to have maneuvered on top of him. In the... She's too big to do that in a car. So really, the only thing she really could have done is a handjob or a blowjob. For what? You're just going to sit in the car, have your first blowy, and then wait half an hour, 40 minutes more... And then have your second blowy. You have to go in the house. Well, no, that's what he could have done. He could have had the first blowy in the ha- in the car and then been like, should we go inside for a drink? And then gone in, sat on the couch and had the second blowy. I would have negotiated a pre-dinner blowy. And right? then depending on how well that went, you know, good dinner. And then after when I dropped her off in the driveway, the second blowy. And then I would have just got the fuck out of there and ghosted her. He could have said also that he only gets erections when he's inside his motor vehicle because he's sexually attracted to cars, in particular his car. I imagine he drives a Honda. I don't know why. Although she's quite large. She probably can't get inside a Honda. Yeah, so I, I doubt he has a small car. Like I don't, I, I'm sure he has like you know a, a car truck. that could fit her. It's probably a truck or something. Yeah. So did she contact you afterwards? Like how difficult was she to ghost? That's my question. Did you make her come? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, you know, but in that situation, 
And I've done this before too, where I've hooked up with a girl and purposely just was like awful in sex, like awful in bed, just because I, I wanted that to, your excuse. Well, no, I wanted to <laughs> disappoint her. I was going to probably disappoint her anyway, but I really wanted to disappoint her. So, so it would just be awkward and we just would never have, have to hang out again. So what, you just put no effort in and make them go on top the whole time? Or no, or I come really quick and just be done and leave. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I've done that a couple times. <laughs> it's it's the best way to avoid an awkward situation in the future because she's probably not going to contact me and I won't have to ghost her because I just disappointed her sexually. And so now she knows that's what it's like having, you know, sex with D. Simon. <laughs> Have you ever faked a floppy to get out of it either and just been like a, it's a me, it's not you situation? I don't Because that think... would also be good. I've Obviously, I've had that happen, especially on Whiskey substances. Dip. But I don't think I've ever done that with a girl. Although, I've had that happen on on substances and then I know she was disappointed there. No, I've just had like just really disappointing sex. Like kind of selfish, didn't eat her out, just came really quick and then just left. Like a two pump chump <laughs> kind of thing. Fine with that. If I don't want to, you know, if I'm not interested in having any kind of relationship, you know, why not? Men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure girls have faked orgasms to try to be oh, like. Oh, Come on, of course. Well, of course. Faked orgasms to make this guy feel better. You know, I got to the point though where I would just be like, "There's no point in faking orgasms," so you just don't. You do, you get to an age where you're like, "It's just pointless to do it," so you don't bother doing. Well, how it. often have you done it where it's just like, "It's not going to happen," okay? Just stop, please, stop. I've done that a few times, especially <laughs> when I've been on drugs or I'm too drunk. I'll just be like, "I will say I'm bored now," and uh, <laughs> it's usually like, "I'm bored. Are you going to come?" And at like, that point, because they're probably as drunk and on substances as me, it's usually a, yeah, I'm not gonna. It's like, let's go to sleep. Do you ever like snap your fingers? Like, come on, come on. Let's, let's go here. <laughs> come on. I got places boy. to be, you know, let's get, to, <laughs> let's get money, this you know? going here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think your mistake was going into the house, going into her lair. Kind of feel you're right. Yeah. I, I think you if you negotiated a deal. Yeah. But anyway, a couple questions. How difficult was her to was it to ghost her, and did you give her oral? Yeah, I want to know if you I, went I down want to there. know if he tried to please her in any way whatsoever. Like, did he kiss her on the lips? Uh, how many onion rings did he buy her? Did you lick her gunt? <laughs> <laughs> was it was that some foreplay? I want to see what happened there. All right, give us a call back. Um, people can call the second round hotline three two three five two two four zero three two. Um, if, uh, if you haven't already and you want to buy some sick or wrong merch, there's plenty of merch available at the T public store. Just go to Patreon or ah, just go to sick podcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope and, uh, yeah, get, get yourself some merch. You know, I imagine a sick and wrong shirt will definitely turn on a large woman. Why? I don't know, because it's sexy. It's these sexy designs. I, I could see it really. I could see it being a bit of an aphrodisiac, because you can be like, I Should listen you... to podcasts. All women love that. Oh yeah, that's what women find the most sexually <laughs> exciting. <laughs> Usually, it's women who like podcasts, and they go, "That's a cool shirt. Would you get that?" And it's like, "Oh, it's this cool podcast. To listen to. We could go down that angle." It's a good you way to do meet a chicks. Hot dog T-shirt where it says "Sick and Wrong" on top of the hot dog in the ketchup and mustard. 
Were you saying that to attract a large woman because she probably wants to eat the hot dog? Hey, I want to eat a hot dog. (laughs) Finally here, Sing Wrong Song of the Week. So there's been several songs that were inspired by uh, Wilhelm Reich. Birdland by Patti Smith. We mentioned that last week. And and this show, uh, this, uh, yeah, this episode, you mentioned Kate Bush's song, Cloud Busting, which immortalizes his battle with the law. Um, and it, it had the, the, the refrain that was repeated several times a song. I just know that something good is going to happen, which, I mean, I guess it's debatable whether or not it did, but the song that was, that I think defines, uh, Wilhelm Reich, especially his legacy is Hawkwind's Orgone Accumulator, which is off the album Space Ritual which is a live record that is amazing. It's a double record uh, recorded in 1972 in uh, Liverpool in London. And it's an amazing record. It's their fourth album. reached number nine, actually, UK album charts. Um, and entered the Billboard Top 200. Was that like 180? Which is kind of surprising for a band like Hawkwind. Not the most commercially accessible band. Um, this song th- helped me learn how to do the 50s bar chords as well. I would like to point that out. <laughs> totally. I, mean, I learned can... how to do the 50 bar chord with my little finger from this song. Well, so they record this album, a little, little history here. They record this record during their tour to promote uh, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do, which uh, is pretty much the majority of the set. But then they, they had a couple new tracks that are only on Space Ritual. So yeah, Born to Go, Upside Down, and Orgone Accumulator. Um, it's a it's a great record, and the space ritual show, which I wish I could have seen. I actually have seen Hawkwind, but obviously not on this tour. But if I could go back through time, I definitely would. All with Lemmy. Yeah. yeah. Um, they created like a full audio visual experience. Uh, they had themes. Uh, they they intertwined the fantasy of starfarers. There was like suspended animation traveling through time and space with the concept of the music of the spheres and they had dancers and performers um that would uh, that would be on the stage set there was a laser light show and poetry recitations would have been very cool to check out this show but it makes me wonder like did bob calvert and dave brock did they actually really believe in the orgone accumulator and harnessing the power of the orgasm or did they think it was just kind of a fad or a scam? What do you think? It actually wouldn't surprise me because they were very hippy dippy, you know, taking a lot of LSD. They were hippies. And to me, the power of the orgon is very hippie-ish. So they might have. They might have been like, yeah, man, even though they're English. Yeah, man, it's all just an energy in it. I wonder what that would have been like. To be in an orgone box with a head full of LSD. And then Lemmy's there going, it's a pile of fucking wank, you idiots. <laughs> I'm leaving this band. I'm going to form a he might have. He might have been into it back then. Who knows? He was on a lot of drugs too. Anyway, we're going to end the show here with Orgone Accumulator from uh, Space Ritual. People will be back next week with episode 904. Till then, take it sleazy.
There's a reason why I'm getting the fuck off and everyone can either believe it or they cannot believe it. I don't give two fucks, but I am telling you right now, that motherfucker, that motherfucker back there is not real. And you can sit on this plane and you can fucking die with them or not. I'm not going to. Bye.